Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Today I want to start a message that, uh, as you can see from the title, it's called Unshakable Kingdom, Unchanging Person. And there's a two-phase part of this that really lays into where I've been just uh, with the uh, Arise Shine message because, you know, in the Arise Shine, that glory can be somewhat uh, somewhat hard to really grab a hold of. And as I got, and I've, I've had, uh, the Lord just continues to, to speak to me and, and, and deal with me in that area. So it's not really like we're changing. We're just transitioning to another level of this. If you think about... Um, the two, two prongs to this plug, the unshakable kingdom. Of course, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom in existence that's unshakable. Every other kingdom on this planet, man's kingdom, your kingdom, America, America's kingdom, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every kingdom that's built by man is shakable. And um, so if you have a Bible, we're going to go right into this, and hopefully, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 12. I've quoted it, I think, last week, and had it actually in my notes, but we never really got to it. So this, again, really lets me know that, you know, this is all not according to my plan, but his plan. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, 28, It says, now this expression, yet once more. Now you have to read the whole thing in the context of the 12th 12th chapter of Hebrews. Because Hebrews 11, you know, is the chapter of faith. And it talks about all the heroes of the faith. And and then it talks about how that they were sawn asunder. You know, how they went through and withstood the, the, the mouths of lions. And all these overcame by faith. Now faith by faith, Noah built an ark. I mean, the whole thing, by faith, Abraham left and, and went into uh, his, his receiving of his, the promise of Isaac. I mean, the whole 11th chapter is about faith. The 12th chapter then starts off by saying, therefore, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So now he's made this transition, and he talks about how important our faith is. And our faith, when it comes to the, to the things of God is, so if, if we're going to see this in these verses right here, now bear with me, there's so much going on in my heart, I, I have to, let me take a breath. Whew, okay. Now this expression yet once more. So now what, what he's referring to is back in the preceding couple of verses, he's talking about how when Moses was given the law on Mount Sinai, how that there was a voice from the mountain, and the mountain shook, and there was, there was all kinds of external manifestation, because remember, he was dealing, God was dealing with a people whose hearts were hard, and they weren't born again or regenerated. They were, they were, they were under uh, uh, the Adamic... Uh, fall, and therefore they were unregenerated in their hearts. So God had to deal with them on the externals of 
of literally manifestations that shook and trembled and, and they heard the roar of the voice and they saw the fire and they saw God manifest himself. What it was meant to do is put a respect and a fear in them because they had no heart to really receive what God was doing. God knew that. Because what did they do? While, while Moses was up there and all this fire and manifestation was going on, what was Israel doing? They were at the foot of the mountain building an idol. And I submit to you that many of us as, as, as just as human beings, without the intervening of God in our life, every one of us will build some sort of idol. And so they get this manifestation, but it brings no lasting change because it's just part of this process of what God's going to do with his glory. Now look at what Hebrews says. Now this expression yet once more. So God's saying, I'm going to do something again. I'm going to do it different this time. That's what he's saying. He says, it indicates the removal and final transformation of all those things which can be shaken. So everything that wasn't built on the rock of God's revelation will be shaken and moved away. Every man's religion will be shaken and moved away. Every nation's power and position will eventually be shaken and moved away. Why? Because there's only going to eventually be one kingdom and one king. Now, he says that of all those things which can be shaken, that is of that which has been created. So everything that's been created by man, specifically, will be shaken. Every man-made thing will be shaken so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So there's this promise of God's kingdom. If you read on here, it says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom, everybody say a kingdom. kingdom. Now listen to the nature of this kingdom. The receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Nations are being shaken right now. America is being shaken right now. There are countries that are in complete turmoil. Venezuela is about to go up because one man is holding a position and trying to declare his right of rulership. And yet, the, I, I've been to Venezuela. I was there on a missions trip. I, I love the people. I love the nation. I was enthralled with their heart and the passion that I saw in the people of God. And yet, those people are starving. They, they're, 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 there's a, such a complete... A turmoil turned loose because there's a 
There's a, a, a fight for power and who will sit in the seat of the king. That's what it's always been. All the turmoil of the earth, all of the kingdoms of the earth, all of your struggles. When Adam was in the garden, the struggle was who was going to sit on the throne of his heart. And Adam was, was in rebellion when he rejected God and said, I'm going to eat this tree in direct revolt against God. And he said, I'll be my own king. That's what Satan told him, right? He said, you do this, and you'll be able to decide for yourself. That's the nature of, of, of what's going on. Listen, even in the church today, many churches are making their own decisions and determining their own destiny apart from the will and the purpose of God because they're saying, we're going to do this and we're going to do it our way. And I can assure you, those churches will be shaken. You say, but it's the church. But, if it's, but the, the promise is that the only thing that cannot be shaken is standing on the kingdom principles and power of God. And so he says they're going to receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So there's this unshakable kingdom. Venezuela is being shaken. Um, let me tell you something. America is in a shaking right now. We're heading into 2020. And, and, and people are looking at our nation and they're looking at what's going on. And people are, you know, there's one third of our country that is standing for a conservative, uh, a, a constitutional government. There's another third of our country that is standing on the side of democratic socialism. And then there's another third of our country going, what the heck's going on here? And our country is being shaken. And things that unfold in the next two years are going to be critical to where this country goes eventually. You say, but it's America. America will never I shudder to think because that's what Rome said. It said Rome will never crumble. Rome fell. People said, you know, that, 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 that uh, England will never fail. Look at it. The nations of the earth are being shaken. Everything around us is shakable. You say, Pastor Mike, that sounds kind of depressing. Well, I'm just telling you the reality that everything that is created by man is going to be shaken. Because after the shaking, you're going to find out what is really built on the kingdom. And if it was built on the kingdom, it cannot be shaken. And so we have this unshakable kingdom. I just want you to see that. Let us show gratitude, be grateful, thankful, and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Now, that's powerful admonition right there. Because a lot of, our, a lot of what we do today is not based on how we are relating to God. It's how we relate to us. That's why a lot of that, the things in our lives is being shaken. You know, if you're trusting yourself 
to get you through your skills or your, your life or your wisdom or your understanding. You're going to be shaken. It's going to take a complete trust in God and offer to God pleasing service. You know, many people are to fall on the, on the backs of what Paul was saying. A lot of people are bringing to God that one-eyed sacrifice. In other words, instead of bringing what God prescribed, they're like, uh, you know, they're like Cain. He brought what he wanted to bring. Not what God had. God said without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. He brought the fruit of his own hands. Mm. Instead of doing what was pleasing to God, he did what was pleasing to himself. Are you with me? I hope, I, I hope you're with me. Because it, does, it doesn't get really any better than this. <laughs> Because, I mean, this is straight. This is really straight. It really is. I want to give it to you the way God has, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm not worried. Listen, I'm not worried. I'm not, I don't sit up at night and worry about this church. Because I know this, everything that can be shaken, every person that can be shaken, in order that he can filter us down to where we get down on our feet on the rock of the unshakable kingdom. So I know some of you are in, you're like, Pastor Mike, that doesn't really, I don't know, how how does that help me? Because it's time for us to take a look at what is going on around us and ask ourselves, or do we understand that we are living and walking and in submission to the unshakable kingdom and the unchanging person, Jesus, who is the king of the kingdom, because that's the only way we will not be shaken. And so he says, let us offer to God with acceptable worship. That what that's saying is that there are some forms of worship that are not acceptable. They're just not acceptable. Self-worship, self-will, will worship, where we put our self above God. And so it's acceptable worship with reverence and awe. There should be, there should be an overwhelming sense of, 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 of the presence of God and and when you're in the presence of God, there should be a respect and a, and a reverence for the presence of God. I mean, when God shows up, you should put everything down. When God shows up, you should put everything aside and you should, you should pay attention because you're in the presence of a holy God. Hello? So it's an unshakable kingdom. And then it's an unchanging person. So here's here's what the scripture says, that Jesus Christ is the same. This is from the Amplified. Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because he's perfect. If If he was changeable, it means he wasn't complete or he wasn't perfect. You can't improve on perfection. 
you and I were always changing because we're always in need of being transformed. I'm, I'm the chief among you. I need, I need to be constantly changed. That's why I stay with God and stay chasing after God. Stay in the word because it's through the renewing of my mind that I am transformed. And so, but he is unchanging. Jesus is changeless. That's why he can't be moved. He, he, he doesn't move with the times and the, and the, and the trends and, 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 and all of these things that seem to, to, to be pulling people in many different directions. Jesus is changeless. That's good for you to know because let me tell you something. When you put your feet on Jesus, you're standing on a rock that's immovable. He is immovable. He cannot be moved. Me, I can be moved. So if I want to be able to stand in all the turmoil and the tempest around me, I have to make sure I'm standing on the changeless Christ. Amen. And so he's the changeless, the changeless or the unchanging person. So there's these two aspects that are tied together, the, un, the unshakable kingdom and the unchanging person that I want to take a look at. And what I want to do is I want to delve into it and show you a few things about it this morning. Number one is heaven's priority. Here's, here's heaven's priority in the unshakable kingdom. In the scripture, Jesus mentions the word church or ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church, only two times. Follow me here now. Jesus is surely not anti-church, but I'm saying that Jesus only spoke of the word church out of his mouth. Who He taught hundreds and hundreds of hours to hundreds and hundreds of people, and especially into the 12. And what we have recorded in the four gospels is that he used the word church twice. But he used the word kingdom over 150 times. What does that tell you? That Jesus' mission, his message was kingdom focused. Matthew 6.33 says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. I love the Amplified. You know, I memorized all these in the King James Version. Because when I was young, I was told that was the only version you could read. And so I listened. So here's what it says. It's very simple in the King James. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You with me? But, I, but, but we read that in the, in the church. You know, we, the church the thing that Jesus only mentioned twice, we spend most of our time talking about the other things. Say amen, somebody. Can I have that bottle of water? Y'all pray for me. Do I sound a bit nasally? That's only because I snorted two bottles of Flonase before I got up here. 
So, but seek first and most importantly. So what he's talking about is the priority of the message, the priority of our lives should be what? The kingdom. The kingdom. Go after the kingdom. Learn whatever, learn what the kingdom is. Learn the principles of the kingdom. Learn the teachings of the king of the kingdom who spent his entire ministry introducing the kingdom of God. When he first entered the scene, his message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. It's within reach. Come on, church, help, help me here, because I really believe God's, God's trying to get us to something. See, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, we talk a lot about these things that we want to be, we want, and they, they can be good things. Make no mistake about it. They can be really good things. So, for example, like prosperity. How many of you want prosperity? How many of you want a good marriage? How many of you want good kids? How many of you want a good job? How many of you want a good preacher who knows how to preach? Amen. Anything. But how, many of you want, how many of you want to live in a city that you feel safe and you can walk and you can drive and you don't feel threatened? How many of you want to live in a nation where you know God's, God's being uh, uh, lifted up and not being defied and not not being uh, 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 torn down and, and, and be everything being anti-God. And how many of you want to live in a place where it just God is in the midst of her? Well, he said, seek the kingdom. Go after the kingdom and all these other things will come after you. In other words, Many of us, even in the church today, we talk about chasing our dreams. We talk about chasing our vision. We talk about chasing our faith. We talk about chasing uh, all this other stuff. And what we need to do is chase the king and the kingdom. And all these things that you've been chasing will start chasing you. How would it be if your dreams started chasing you down instead of you chasing it and never really been able to get a handle on it because you've never embraced the kingdom message? Heaven's priority is to seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Because when you build, when you build your life around the kingdom of God, then when things come to challenge you in that, in that journey, you won't be shaken. How many of you have been shaken lately? I feel like shake and bake. And then I begin to realize, God, everything in my life that's not been going, where I've not been going after the game. You guys just tell you too, since we launched this fast last week, it just brings out areas where I, where I haven't been putting Jesus first. And realize, yeah, it's not until you purposely, by an act of your will, refuse to eat that you realize just how much of a servant you are to what you eat. 
Fasting isn't supposed to, you know, just, you know, we fast because well, I'm going to fast so I get God to do something for me. Well, you can forget that. That's not the fast God has chosen. God uses a fast to show you just how you need to turn your affections and your love away from things that you've said, you know, man, I never realized how much I really do love French fries till I stop eating them. <laughs> and then your, your, my own will says, oh, come on, one order of French fries won't hurt you. That's my flesh rising up to gain ascendancy and sit on the king's throne. And then I say, by the act of my will, I, I, Lord, I need you. And I'm doing this because I need to get that off of my life. You see, when it comes to our relationships, it comes to our careers, it comes to everything, it's who's sitting in the seat of the king. Because if you realize you're here, on the, with, you're here to serve the king on the king's business, you realize that I am standing on a pretty solid ground here, and nothing can touch me that doesn't come through him. So God, if you want this job, go ahead and take it. It must mean you got something better for me down the road. God, if you want to take this position that I've loved, you want to take this ministry I've given myself to, I'd lay it willingly at your feet, God, because I know if you're taking it, there's a better one on the other side. There's one with more expanse and more depth and more power because, God, you would never diminish me. His will is always to grow and expand the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So that's heaven's priority. Let me ask you, what's your priority? What's your priority? I mean, it's not hard to, it's not hard to discern. And it's not what you say. It's what you do. What is your priority? What are you putting in first and most importantly? What do you aim at? What do you strive after? I've seen people who lose a job and just fall to pieces. But they'll walk away from God and backslide and never fear a minute. And set their heart in direct opposition to God. Lose. Walk away and lose everything on the altar of some sort of compromise and, and then God has to come along and say, well, wait, wait, what about me? What about me? Oh, I'll get back to you, but right now I'm about this. And this is why we have to serve God acceptably with fear and reverence. I don't, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I watch, I watch, I observe Y'all know I don't get up here and harp on things. I'm, I, don't, I try not to have hobby horses. You know what a hobby horse is, right? It's something everybody rides all the time. It's their thing. Preachers are famous for hobby horses. They have like one thing and they just ride it, ride it, ride it. And they never do anything else, but they just ride their hobby horse, ride their hobby. I, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I, that you're getting a balanced diet here. And yet the problem is not the food, it's your appetite. 
Because you see, when you're not hungry, do you ever notice this? When you're not hungry, nothing tastes good. But when you're hungry, you know, I, I, when I get about 10 days into a fast and I start fixing Brookie's meal in the morning, and I, you know, Terry's kind of, she's kind of a, she, she, Brookie, she thinks Brookie's fat. I think Brookie's perfect. She's about this long and weighs 65 pounds. So she's about this long, but she's about that wide too. Terry just gives her dry dog food and Brookie looks up at her, kind of gives that snarl and eats. When she sees me getting her thing ready, she grins. Because I'm going to get Brookie some dry dog food and then I buy Alpo at the store this gravy, it's called Gravy Cravers. And it's sliced beef, or I don't know if it's beef, I don't know what it is. I ain't trying this. But it's got this really rich, nice gravy and this meat, and I put a, about a third of a can in there, and I mix it all up, and on the tenth day of a fast, that smells really good. <laughs> and when Brookie eats dried dog food, she'll eat some and then leave about half of it, and some of it will be over the floor, and to be scattered around and she might come back later she might not you might come back this evening for the second round and and and, and you know she hasn't even touched it anymore but when i give her that dog food with gravy cravers she eats it licks the bowl and it's like it just came out of the dishwasher <laughs> can i just tell you church that God is trying to bring us to a different diet, a different way that, that, that we get beyond the things and we get to him. We really have to examine our hearts to see if has our appetite really been for him? Or do I just want what he can do for me? Do I come here because God, can, I just need God to do this for me? Or am I really coming for him? I, 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 God loves to do things for you. He will do things for you to show you just how good and great he really is. He's a good God. But what he's hoping is that you will fall in love with him and not just what he can give you. So here's kingdom power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. See, for us today, because we've gotten away, drifted away from the kingdom message, we have to use a lot of words. Hello. We have to, and it really, and, the, and the, how you put those words together really matters because your words can move people. Your words can move people. There's, there's, People who preach that can move entire congregations and 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 but the real test, the real test of the kingdom is not the word, it's the power. Are people being changed? Are people being changed? Are people being rescued? Are people being healed? Personally, I'm a word guy. I love, I love the, I love to preach the word. You know, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a talker, man. 
Sometimes I'm slapping myself saying, just shut up. Could you please shut up? But the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. It's authority. The kingdom of God has behind it the the very authority of God, which leads you to the two aspects of the kingdom. First of all is the expression. You should write that down. This is really important, church. This is the expression of the kingdom. Whenever you express something, you're, you're putting it out there for everybody to see. You know, you you might have your opinions, you might have your thoughts, and it doesn't matter, but once you express it, hello, now it's out there. The kingdom of God has two aspects. The first is the expression. The expression of the kingdom is so important today because it's you and I who God called to express the kingdom of God based on our connection and our relationship with Jesus. Jesus ultimately was the one who came and was the word made flesh and was the expression of the kingdom of God. But Jesus is gone. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit back to us. And it's based on your surrender to the will of God and the Spirit of God that determines how much of Jesus is being expressed in your life. And we are here for the expression of the kingdom of God. In Matthew, uh, Matthew 6 that we sang this morning, he says, thy kingdom come. What is that? What is it when thy kingdom come? That's the expression Thy will be done. When when God comes to your world, he comes to express himself. Can I I just, I can say of a certainty that the enemy's trying to express himself in your life. He's coming and he's always willing to tell you, he's always willing to tell you what he thinks. Come on, somebody somebody say amen. Amen. Don't the devil always step up and get right on your shoulder and he says, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think they're against you. I think that person's got, got it out for you. I think you ain't never going to make it. I think you're going to come up short again. The devil's expressing himself. He expresses himself by seeking to rob, kill, and destroy. Come on. He's trying to steal God's expression from your life. Steal and rob God's expression in your life and destroy it and ultimately kill the expression of God. If the devil could, he'd kill every one of us. But I will tell you something. The devil should have killed me when he had a chance. Because now God's, God's purpose is being expressed in my life. And, and, it's, and here's the other aspect of it. He says the measure of the expression is based on how it ranks in importance. Going back to Matthew 6, 33. Follow me here. To the degree that God's will is being done in your life is tied directly to the priority of God in your life. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Because if you're not seeking first the kingdom of God, there's not very much of an expression of God being manifested through your life. This is why the church is so weak and anemic in in, in, in our culture today. 
People don't come to the church to find out the power of the truth of something because they think we're irrelevant. They think we're weak. They think we're hypocrites. They think we're phony. They think we're fake. And you know where they got that idea? By watching us. Oh, pardon me. So much of the church, again, is only in word. We say one thing, but we live another. We preached a 10-story salvation, and we all live in the basement. I told you it wasn't going to get any better. So, Pastor Mike, why would you go down this road? Because I'm trying to elevate the church out of this place into the expression of the kingdom of God. That's the purpose of tonight. You know, it's, it's because I feel like many of us, because of the brokenness and the, and the, uh, and the uh, uh, ghosts, if you will, or, or the hidden things in our lives, the, 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 the things that go way back, and unhealed hurts and wounds, they still, are, they still are somewhat calling the shots for many of us. Because, again, you can't step out in faith and believe God because the devil, first thing the devil does is gets up there and says, hey, you can't do that. Remember, remember what happened when you tried that? And he shakes you to the place of getting back to your, your complacency and spiritual apathy. And the expression of the kingdom of God is diminished. Thy kingdom come. The measure of the expression is based on how it ranks in importance. Now, for a person, here's what Jesus was looking for for his, for his church. He was looking for a people who would get completely obsessed with the kingdom of God. I mean, we obsess over all, all everything else. Y'all love me? I'm not feeling much love here right now. I mean, think about it. We're, we're people, we live by obsessions. We chase after something and we get bored. We chase after something else. The church does the same thing. We chase after this. And then the, the word's not even good enough for us. We got to wrap it up in some visual, mind-blowing, you know, extravaganza. And you know what? You know what will blow your mind? The still small voice of God. God says, I really love you. And if you'll just step back a second, I'll show you what I can do with that. I'll express my will. And what you're supposed to do is bow down and say, not my will, but thy will be done. And when you, you get into that expression... This is, what's, this is the battle that's going on right now. It's, the, it's what, what's going to be expressed in, in our lives. The battle you're fighting right now is a battle between the expression of God and the expression of death, whose author is Satan. Number two, this goes, I got to move. The number two is expansion. So these two are tied together. Remember, they're two prongs of the same, same plug here. It, 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 the aspect of the kingdom is expression. It has to be expressed. And then it, there's expansion. 
Because the kingdom of God, if you could see this this way, is it's ever expanding. That's ex- expansion is always expa- it's always seeking to expand. Jesus likened it in Matthew thirteen thirty three. He said, "The kingdom of God is like a leaven." Whom a person takes three measures and puts it into the, uh, into the flour. What happens when you take a little leaven? You bakers. This is what the, the illustration that Paul was talking about years, a couple years ago. I don't know. I had Carol, who's this awesome cake baker, makes the best cakes. I said, Carol, I want you to make me two cakes. Uh, I think we made three cakes. I said, I want you to make one cake with all the right ingredients. And then I want you to make a second cake, and I want you to leave out a couple of ingredients. And then I want you to make one and just leave out one ingredient. We left out the leaven, the the thing that makes it rise. And that third cake was as hard as a rock. It, she decorated, it looked pretty, it looked right, it looked, it looked good, but, it, but, but because there was no leaven in it, it didn't expand, because yeah. that's what leaven does. Leaven gets in something and it expands. Yeah. So many of us, you know, we need to understand this, that how many of you have something that you need the kingdom power to be unleashed in? How many of you have something? Raise your hand. Well, here's what you do. You stand in that position and say, Father God, let your kingdom come. Let your leaven, the leaven of your kingdom, fill this situation. Because what's going to happen as you stand over that situation and you confess and believe God's word and you represent and you you stand there as the expression of the kingdom of God. God's leaven. Sometimes this doesn't happen in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, just a second. Sometimes it takes days. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes years. Jesus has been working with the church for 2,000 years. And this leaven has been worked through, but it's, but it's not expanded to its fullness because we're still waiting for the fullness of, of, of times and the fullness of the expression of Jesus as the head of the church. But he's working it. He's working it. And you can, I can tell you this. That's what he's doing individually, and that's how it comes collectively. So if you're part of a church and you're saying, well, my church is saying, my church just don't get it. You know why your church don't get it? Because you ain't getting it. I know you wouldn't say that about here. But here's the thing, too. This is why when it comes to the kingdom of God and the leaven of God, you have to let it permeate. You have to keep standing over the word and confessing the word. You have to keep calling your sons and daughters home. You have to keep speaking that because it's like leaven. It takes, you got to knead that dough. You got to knead it. I don't mean N-E-E-D. I mean, you got to knead it. You got to work it. You got to intercede. You got to get it worked in there. You knead it. Isn't that K-N-E-A-D? You need it. You work it. You keep standing over it. You keep working it. And then there comes a time where you set it aside and then you let that leaven, you let the leaven work. You got, there comes a point where you get your hands off of it and you let it fluff and you let it come to the fullness of the, of the, of the, of the leaven's work. And then when it puffs, you know it's ready because then you take it and you cut it up and you make delicious, heavenly, 
bread. And there's nothing like when the smell of bread fills the house. Did you know the church is called the house of bread? But see, I don't know if we know how to really knead and work the leaven. Many of us are trying to do the work of the Holy Ghost. And, and while we're doing the work of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is saying, I can't do nothing until you get your hands off of it. This is why we, we keep going after God. You got to know when to, you got to know when to draw back and stop. Then comes the, the mustard seed in Luke 13, 19. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds. But then when you plant it, it grows into this huge thing and the trees of the air take their nest in it. I mean, this little bitty seed becomes this great big thing. And that's all, all because you're working and understanding and, and know the revelation of the kingdom of God. But see, if you're not careful, you know what you'll do? You'll plant the mustard seed, and then you'll go back and dig it up every other day and say, well, it didn't grow. I'm going to redo it. Well, it didn't go. I, I, need to, I, you know, I need to do these five things. And I know it didn't work. Now I've got to get seven things you've got to do to get the God's will done in your life. Now it didn't work. I've got ten things now I need to do to get the will of God done in my life. And you just keep pulling up, pulling up your seed, pulling up your seed, pulling up your seed. And what you need to do is put that seed in the ground and by faith, just water it and watch it grow because it's going to grow into something great because the kingdom of God by its very nature is expanding. Here's how it expands, by you listening and obeying to God. <sighs> listening and obeying God. Say amen, somebody. I'm almost there. This is really good preaching. I don't know. Yeah, I said it. Then there's kingdom breakthrough. So I'm going to close with this. So in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, in fact, I want to read this in, in uh, in the Bible, because I want you to hear it from, from God's Word. Can I do that? So let me find it. I didn't have it. So we're in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, to, this is talking about Jesus after the, after the crucifixion and the resurrection. It says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. 40 is such a, 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 a transitional number in the Bible. You have to really do a study. I don't have time to get into it. But, but there's, there's, there, this, was, this was a strategic number why Jesus spent 40 days with them. He had been crucified. He'd been resurrected. He's going to be ascended, but he has 40 days. With me? What do you think he does with these 40 days? Listen to this. Speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For 40 days he taught the kingdom of God. That's all he did. For 40 days he took his disciples, spoke to them about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You know, I've looked through most, most church material, 
even foundation stuff that, that I have taught, stuff that I have done, even done here. And I started going through it, and I realized there's this huge gap in what we do because we hardly mention the kingdom. I'm just being honest. Jesus spent 40 days speaking to them as things pertaining to the kingdom, things pertaining to the kingdom. Then there, he promises in Acts 5, he says, or Acts 1 verse 5, he says, you go, and go back to Jerusalem and you wait on the promise of the Father because you're going to be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who carries out the kingdom life, the kingdom power. So you can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. Then his, his disciple, after that teaching there, in verse 6, his disciples say, they say to him, they say, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? You know what he spent 40 days doing? Teaching them about the kingdom. You know what they were thinking about and how they related the kingdom? Because are you going to get Rome off our back and restore Israel, Jerusalem, back to its own rule? You see how they had reduced the kingdom down to their own little thing? They didn't reject it, they reduced it. I submit to you that the church hasn't rejected the message of the kingdom. We've reduced it. And as we've reduced it, we see very little power demonstrated from it because we have thought it, well, are you, are you just going to come and restore what's important to us? Because that was important. Jesus said this, it's not for you to decide the times or the seasons. In other words, this, this isn't about you directing me. Like, see, you get the idea? You're, are you going to do what we need you to do here and put Rome out of Jerusalem and let us get back under self-rule? Jesus said, it's not for you to, to dictate to me times or seasons. And yet, you know what the church has spent most of the last 2,000 years doing? Trying to dictate to God what to do. I submit to you and I prophesy to you today that the day of the church telling God how he can move, when he can move, and what he can do is over. I declare to you that the kingdom of God has come and those who will press into it will take it and watch the power and glory of God unfold. And if you will seek him and his kingdom, all this other stuff will come running after you instead of you running after it. See, that's my heart and my, my desire as a, as, a, as a pastor. See, I'm a pastor. Listen to me, I'm a pastor. But there are five different ministries that God has set in the church. There's the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Five fingers to one hand. 
I'm a pastor. I really care for the sheep. The reason I preach like this is because I know what I know I know this is hard. Some of this is hard. Some of this you have to have some real teeth to bite into. I know that I could get up here and give you the fluff and, and tell you how to get the things and we'll go after the things and we'd shout and have just a, a shouting good hallelujah time. But I'm telling you, God wants to show us how to get a hold of the kingdom. So we actually are shouting for the right reason. And so as a pastor, my heart is to see the kingdom of God expressed in your life. So when I, when I come to you and, I, and I'm challenging you, and I'm calling you out, it's not because I'm mad at you, it's not because I'm, I'm trying to hurt you, it's because as a shepherd, as a, as a tender of the sheep, I'm trying to guard and protect you from the, from the ravenous wolves and the things that would try to destroy you. Are you with me? Because I'm going to tell you something. I know how easy it is for your heart to turn aside. That's why we keep going after God around here. Why we keep praying, keep fasting. You know, we have kids fasting with, with us on this run. I hear, I hear, Caden, are you fasting with us? How old are you? You're what? 12 years old. But the kingdom of God is expressing itself in a 12-year-old's heart. Let me ask you a question. You're going to be, oh, listen, wait, wait, no, listen. You're going to be okay when a 12-year-old stands up and prophesies over you? Because the expansion of the kingdom, would you say, oh, but he's but a boy. I'm a, has God spoke to you? Really? Come on up here. You should really tie your shoes. <laughs> That's what you do with 12-year-olds. You tell them to tie their shoes. I love this young man. I've, I've seen God's hand on this young man for a long time. It takes an extraordinary man to be able to de dig into something that he, he wasn't forced, he wasn't coerced, he wasn't, he just says, I need this, I want to get a hold of this. That's, from, that's just some good, that's just some good, that's just some good stuff that I got to credit his mom and dad for instilling that into him and his youth pastors. For, for challenging him and just not letting him be ordinary, to, to reach for more. And, and when you see for that, you see for that expression. So tell us what God spoke to you so far. God has told me, I don't remember, it's, I was reading Matthew chapter 21. It was with the two brothers with the vineyard when it said, I don't remember what it said. It said something like God isn't here to have people tell him what to do, but he's here to preach the word to us for like guidance for us what to do. So we go out and do the work. Because I think because they told them they weren't going to go do the work, yeah. you know, right. It's not like most of us. 
But, but what, and so what God, you know, because see, see, let me tell you something. You say, well, you know, these are the seeds. Do you understand it? These are the seeds that take root in a young man's heart that's soon a tree where others come and get shade and rest and nourishment and help from. You tell you anything else? It was when one of the brothers rejected for the first time. They both rejected to work, but the one, um, what's the word? Regretted it. Re repented. They repented and said they would do it, but they didn't. And with all, the, in the end, all the people were the people who worked multiple days to the people who worked only a couple hours. They all got paid the same because he's here. He's not here to give favorites. He's here to. We're all his favorite. We're all his favorite. So he's here to give us all <laughs> the same amount and worth. You keep going. You keep going with us. Now, see if a 12-year-old can, and some of y'all have been here for years, we've called, I don't know how many fasts, and you're like, well, I don't fast. Yeah, and you haven't grown either. You haven't moved one inch. This leads us to the part that he said, so this guy, this dad calls these two, his two sons in, two sons, and said, hey, go get, go get into the harvest. One just utterly rejected and walked away. The other one rejected, but he had a change of heart. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.